0: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn.
1: Hello, welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host, and joining me, our co-host Aubrey. Hi, Davey. Aubrey, we're continuing our conversation about race, and diversity and reconciliation.
2: I love it. I
1: know we have done several of these conversations. And again, just to reiterate, we are making an intentional effort to, as the conversation seems to be kind of decrescendoing or not have as much intensity as what it has, we want to make sure this conversation continues. Right. And that we're talking about this. So We've been releasing a different conversation once a month. If if you want to go back and listen to some of those, we had Sheila Wise Rowe on the podcast, episode 128. So good. And then we also filmed a conversation between me and Lamoris Crawford and released that as a bonus episode on our podcast. And this week, Aubrey, (gasps) you took the reins. I did. And interviewed Ashley Island.
2: I interviewed Ashley Island. My first, I mean, you were my first interview, Davey. That's true. But- she was really so my first like inaugural yes. interview yes. because, you know, you're already sort of part of everything.
1: Absolutely. Well, and not I, that I'll, you're
2: not important, but, you know.
1: <laughs> no, but that's the thing. This is why this was so, I think, monumental for us. Is yeah. being, we took we just took a shift at incorporating... Uh, one of the things that we've always wanted, Christy and I said, we want to make sure that this is not just like the Blackburn show, mm, that we have so, awesome. so many other voices. And so that's why we have people share their stories on this podcast. But now we've taken another step to say, hey, there are other people that are also helping to bring content to you. Yes. And nothing is wasted. It's much bigger, much broader than just about us. And so for me, this was special. I mean, it might not oh, be as so special glad. for everybody else or for you or whatever, but for me, it was like, Yes. And I actually got to sit and listen to the entire interview live while you're doing it. It was so fun. So fun.
2: It was so fun to get to do. <laughs> so fun to get to do it with Ashley because Ashley and I know, know each other, one, but yep. also she is just, I mean, she is like dripping with wisdom. <laughs> so the whole time that uh, I was talking with her, I just, you know, was like writing things down and yeah. wanting to soak up every word. So it well, was so I'm funny.
1: S- our our producer she makes comments sometimes about when I get on an interview with with a with a guy with a, a male usually we my voice changes and maybe if you've listened to it I start okay so I kind of go a little bit more bro is what she says uh-huh. she's like I have heard you go this bro. is like yeah. your bro time you're like broing it out with some and I'm like okay well then we got to witness you <laughs> and Ashley. <laughs> And I don't know what the female equivalent of that is, but it right. was definitely the female equivalent of broing out. Yeah,
2: I went, I went cheerleader. Like, I'll just own that. Like at the it beginning so of the great. episode, I was like, ah, it's you
0: know, and
2: then we mellowed down. So, listener, just to let you know, we oh. do mellow down as she talks about some really incredible experiences in her life. But I loved it. I'm so gl- oh, grateful man. that nothing is wasted. Is is starting to have other voices. That's amazing. That's
1: right. It was awesome. Absolutely amazing. One of the things you mentioned in this is this idea, and I thought it struck me, and I really would love for you to expound on it because you don't get an opportunity to in the conversation. Is the idea right. of and you, this is the term you use, collective Imago day.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I. You know. It's. It's interesting. My. My. Brain and heart right now are really in uh, what the Imago Dei is, because my next book that I'm writing right now is about the image of God. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that Ashley and I talk about is that we tend to, in the West, assume that when you know God says in Genesis 1, 26, 27, let us create humankind in our image, we, we've done... Um, I don't want to say disservice to in the West, but we've certainly taken one approach, which is you as an individual are created in the image of God. Right. Right. Now that's true, Which is right? True. David says, "I am fearfully and wonderfully made," right. so that is true. But what we have forgotten, and uh, and I think where this is where maybe the disservice comes in, is we've f- forgotten that what Scripture is actually saying that God made all of humanity yeah. with its beautiful diversity yep. as the imago. Yeah. So therefore, we reflect God more fully, more accurately when we are unified <sighs> as God's people.
1: That is so good,
2: and I I think. How that plays out practically, especially right now when there is so much divisive stuff going on in our world, yeah. so many divisive conversations happening on social media amongst Christians. Our unity in our diversity matters. That's right. So somehow we have to find a way forward to honor the Imago Day and people who are different than us Mm. while honoring God, while embracing those differences. And if we can just see ourselves collectively, like across time and space, across the ecumenical church, Mm. across the globe as God's people, then I I don't know. I just think the Imago gets bigger. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I well, and I think it like it, that. it's twofold. I think it's not just that we reflect who God is to the world, which is exactly what Jesus prayed in John 17, right? Yeah. That they would be unified so that other people would know, right? right? So they would really fully come to the full understanding of who God is, but not only is it reflecting, but it also, we can't see the full image of God. There we, you go. We can't be led into the full insight and the mysteries of God without each other. That's right. We only have one vantage point. We only have yeah. one perspective, and it usually is informed by our experiences, by the culture yeah. we grow up in, by uh, you know early childhood influences, all of these things. But that's with our own little tiny bubble that we live in yeah. on our part of the planet, and right. so we we have to join in with other people to hear other people's perspective. Their vantage point on God, mm-hmm. um, not to you know deviate from the truth of what God's word says, but I think we can't even understand what God's word says about who God is, yes. without other people. And this and, is
2: why I love like even Bible studying community, especially with people from different cultural backgrounds, because someone picks up something that yes. the other person doesn't. All of a sudden, the word of God becomes bigger.
1: Absolutely. I also think
2: the thing that we've done, and again, I mean, some of this is unintentional, but we have unintentionally elevated like a certain image Mm. and said that that's a superior image of God. And typically that has not been a marginalized Mm. person, that has not been a woman, that has not been a minority. And so I think that's the other thing is we can begin to elevate other people and say, yes, you have honor. Yes, you have dignity. Yes, you are God's image.
1: Right. That's so good. I love that. Well, you know, I mean, Scripture talks about this idea of unity in the middle of our diversity or in the middle of our differences and oftentimes when you preach this message or you teach this idea or you instruct it from a western american culture typically we look at it and we say oh well it's you know mostly talking about the diversity of giftings or mm. the diversity of you know Uh, of, of what we can bring to the table from what, what we do, which again is informed by our Americanized individualistic culture. Right. Right. But that's not necessarily what it's talking about in its fullness. It certainly is referencing that it's really talking about the unity that we have in who we are, our cultural differences and how, when we bring together, uh, Everybody and in, in the different vantage points, we begin to again yeah. see God clearly, more clearly, and reflect who God is. Um, I love
2: what um, Paul says in Ephesians four three. Um, actually, I'm going to start with four two. Yeah. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Here's verse three. Make <laughs> every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Wow. Binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body, one Spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future.
1: Ken, here's what's sad about this. When you read that right there, I'm not sure we can say across the board we have done that as a church in this season.
2: I mean I think it's pretty heartbreaking and 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 we it's time to repent honestly yeah. it's time for us to get on our knees and say Lord we're so sorry we have fallen so short of this yeah. can you Holy Spirit help us become one people again right. one name one baptism one God yeah. can you help us be those people that you have chosen for yourself and that you are pleased to call yourself Please to call for yourself. Can right. you help us live like that? Right. Yeah.
1: And I think what's so important to note about unity is that the, unity does not necessarily mean you agree on everything.
0: Right.
1: I think that's what people were waiting for. They're like, well, until you kind of come onto my side and agree with mm. you know, my stance on the issues, we can't have unity. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what unity is. Anybody yeah. from an organizational standpoint knows that you yeah. make decisions at a table. Not everybody has to agree on those decisions or the you know, kind of what informs those decisions, but you all come to a place of unity and you go, okay, what's the best thing for us as a whole collectively? Again, that flies yeah. in the face of American individualism.
2: Right, it absolutely does. Mm. Um, Ashley talks about some of these themes. She explores some other themes of unity as she calls really the church, I think to do what you're saying, Davy, she, she kind of toes that line really well of, of how do we say things that are hard and disagree, but also keep the name of Jesus and the unity of the body first. So let's listen to my conversation with Ashley Island. Ashley Island, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I am so excited that you're here today, Aubrey. I have long awaited
3: this conversation specifically, and I'm so excited for what we're going to talk about. So thank you so much for
2: having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I I feel like you and I were trying to have coffee before you moved out of the Chicagoland area, and so this is our this is our coffee date. And I excited this is our virtual. This is our virtual coffee date.
3: Yes. Absolutely. I don't yeah. have a mug, but if you would picture one, you I know am what? sipping coffee, just waiting to yes. have a conversation with you. This is it. Yes. I, I don't wait. have a
2: mug either. We probably should have thought through that, but we'll both pretend and listeners yeah. can use their imagination. It's good. It's That's good. right. Um. So Ashley, you are an author. You are a preacher. You're a pastor. You're a speaker. You're a mama. You're a wife. You're all of these incredible things. And your book, Humankind, came out in the middle of a pandemic. It did. Which, yes, it did, girl. Um, it did. And it is a beautiful book. It, I th- oh, thank you. I, I said this before we started, but I feel like it was positioned for such a time as this, um, a book about empathy and kindness. But tell me about launching this book in a pandemic. What in the world?
3: Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I, 10 out of 10 do not recommend Uh launching something creative that you've been working on for two plus years in the middle of a pandemic. But in all seriousness, I can tell you what, when you write a book, as you know, Mm -hmm. you are writing words for the projected future. You're writing them in the present, but you have no idea the moment in which they will intersect our current moment that we're living in right now. And so I really, the prayer that I had prayed in writing Humankind was God use this for whatever you want to use it for. Mm. If it's just for one person, then yeah. fine. Like that's, that's why I'm writing this book. Yeah. And so it was a whirlwind of needing to stay engaged on social media and online in a season where I was wanting to actually step away from those things and those platforms. Right. right.
2: Like be present in your moment. Right. And you yes. can't be. Mm.
3: Yes. I was, re- I was two seconds away from going on a hiatus off of social media and then wow. this pandemic hits, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do everything Ashley. online. Yeah. But in a really cool way, let me tell you, the anticipated tension that I was thinking I was going to step into, yeah. I didn't realize that a lot of people were actually looking for fodder and nourishment in the mm. way of other people's words mm. to meet us in the crazy. Yeah. Like, Isn't I that did, amazing I the know. Lord did that? The and Lord look at what that. God did. Yeah. That's right. Girl, I had some, someone, I tweeted something, and the likes of, I think it was Chloe Kardashian reposted Stop. it or something Stop. crazy. Stop. Yeah. And I'm like, this wouldn't have happened. Like, everyone is, is waiting in their own sense of shifting. Right. Whether it's a job loss or the kids are home or yeah. they're terrified of this virus, whatever it was, we were all starving for, mm. for hope.
2: That's right. We we were starving
3: for other people's encouragement and life. And so I didn't anticipate humankind being released
2: in a pandemic.
3: And yet I've seen fruit sprout from this timing that I would never have been able to anticipate. And I'm giving God all the glory for that.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right. It is seriously so beautifully positioned. And the themes that you talk about, I do want to dive into some of those themes. But before we do, Will you um, give the listeners just a little context? Like, where are you now? You left Chicago. Tell me what's going on with you and your family, and uh, tell me about the islands.
3: Yes, I would love to. We are currently in Grand Rapids, Michigan,
2: and so that's just a little bit
3: of a drive around the lake, if you will. The lake, right. From Chicago. So we're not far, but let me tell you, Grand Rapids is different because it's smaller. Really? Yeah, a 20-minute drive. To anywhere is long; it's a long drive. Really? Yes, yeah, Girl, yes. So five to ten minutes is more typical, and so and okay. now I'm I'm I've been really spoiled because it only takes really that much time to get to anywhere. Um, That's amazing. But Grand Rapids is a; it's a hub for culture, and it's this really cool intersection of history and uh, mm-hmm. vibrant uh, culture and community. And my husband and I, uh, since we're working at the same church together, our goal when we moved here was to establish a new community as a branch of Mars Hill Bible Church that literally existed for the sake of racial reconciliation and bridging divides and gaps in this city that, um, like so many, has been impacted by gentrification and redlining. And as a church, we wanted to lead the way in healing, healing those divisions. So that's our big hope. Um, Even on the other side of COVID and in the midst of COVID, figuring out how to still do that. But our goal is that we pastor this new community together. And I can't wait.
2: Oh, I love that. So tell me what, um, I mean, obviously the prevailing church is a little bit different with COVID, but what are some of the things that you guys are doing right now to begin bridging some of those racial divides? So
3: the question has shifted for us, right? because the first question that a lot of churches probably shifted to was when and how do we start meeting like what did, right. what do the logistics around yes. our meeting look like, and how do we kind of serve everyone this this wide spectrum of people in the community, some of whom who are comfortable, some of whom aren't comfortable meet how do we yeah. how do we really serve our community in that reality? Yeah, But the question changed for me, Aubrey, because it wasn't necessarily about when and how do we start meeting. It's now who are we becoming Mm, and how can we, how can we really structure our community opportunities and events and invitations around our formation as the body of Christ?
2: I love that.
3: And so in the midst of COVID and over the past few months, we've been doing things like starting prayer walks, where we mm. are going to a different area of the city each week and inviting our community to stay safe in doing so, but to be outside yeah. and to, as Joshua 1 says, to be strong and courageous and taking the land with our feet and our prayers and our petitions to God. Amen. And that is forming us in a new way. That right. is right. deepening us. So it's not right. necessarily about where, it's about who we're becoming. Mm. Um, we're, we're really leaning into the needs of our city. So yeah. uh, leaning into experts around Grand Rapids and the area. Our community mobilization pastor, Christine, has done an amazing job of saying, how can we partner and not yeah. use this season to reinvent the wheel? Yes, Because I, I think if I'm not paying attention, my instinct is to reinvent something new Mm. When God has already been at work, he's already right. doing his reconciliation, his redemption in and through other leaders and nonprofits. Yeah. And so yeah. it's how can we become students of what he's mm. already doing and be led in this season. Um, and so, so we're good. partnering with a lot of orga- organizations around the community to just join them in their work and to to help meet their needs. Um, so good. So we're trying to, we're trying to pay attention um, and, a very practical way um not many people know that Brianna Taylor uh, is actually from Grand Rapids. And so it was I important I didn't know that Ashley. Yeah. She's from Grand Rapids. She yeah. was from Grand Rapids. She wasn't oh, living here Ashley. at the time um that she was murdered, but she's she's from Grand Rapids, so her family is here. Mm-hmm. And if you know the black community in Grand Rapids, it's very tight knit. Um yeah. it's really close you can almost tell exactly the part of the city that you're in based on just one or two or three dividing lines that serve as streets in our city. Wow. wow. Um, and so we said, how do we show up without knowing mm-hmm. her family personally? Right. And and so we did, we marched with our Good community early on. Um, and we, we said, how can we uh, kind of bear witness yeah, and that's right. in this? Yeah,
2: that's yep. right.
3: And, and keep, Um, using our platforms to point people to what it looks like to claim biblical justice for her and her family. Good Um, for you. So those are just a few things that we're doing, but obviously trying to pay attention to what's going on locally as well.
2: Um, thinking about Breonna Taylor's death and I was just even thinking about, you know, the violence against Jacob Blake and mm-hmm. against, I mean, this year with George Floyd and with Ahmaud Arbery and mm-hmm. even, I mean, even just some of the, the losses in the black community that were more iconic, like yes. uh, John Lewis or like Chadwick Boseman. I know. Um,
3: I know. That you know, one's still fresh. It,
2: it's, it's been clearly a devastating year. And I was just thinking about, especially the themes of your book with empathy and kindness, what, um, can you kind of just unpack the need for empathy and kindness, especially related to racial trauma in 2020?
3: Yeah, I can.
2: I know that's a big question. but
3: So with any kind of trauma, and I'm not... You know, I'm not a an expert in the field right. of trauma or psychology. Yeah. But from a spiritual stand- standpoint, what I, what I know to be true is that there is space in our walk with Jesus for both deep, deep lament and grief mm-hmm. and acknowledging pain, not skating around it, but going deep yeah. into it. And then realizing that that's not the end of the story. Mm. And so for me, if if I'm at my best, I am both emotionally and spiritually and physically processing the trauma, not just of the past five months and six months right. in the way of the right. headlines that you've listed right. off. I mean, I mean, I guess the biggest one started with Ahmaud Arbery and yeah. the run for Maud or run with Maud and, and then into um, the, the last few months. But really for me as a Black woman in America, who has a foundation of faith um, yeah. that has existed way before me, I yeah. am carrying and bearing witness to the trauma that my ancestors right. really lived out, right. um, starting with the transatlantic slave trade. Yep. That's in my blood.
2: yes. And so it
3: is not foreign to me to carry and live through trauma. Mm.
2: It's in your body. It's in
3: my body. I carry yeah. it. Yeah, and I will have to yeah. teach my kids how to carry it. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? Yeah. I don't think there will ever be a day, Aubrey, that I don't grieve that, mm, Ashley, because it's not fair, right?
2: It's not. It's not
3: right. It's not. Nope. F- it's not fair in the way that we want to to make life about fairness and comfort, yeah, right? But this is the part of the the story that I hope outlives the hashtags and the posts and the memes. Um, where a lot of people are waking up to racial tension and racial trauma mm-hmm. right yeah. now in America. Some people for the very first time. Mm-hmm. The part of the story that I want to, and it's not the story, this, the part of the journey with Jesus that I hope people eventually enter into is the one where we wear this for the long run, where this yeah. becomes a part of the fabric of our lives, not just a moment in history. Right but that we also just as loudly and as um, expectantly proclaim the hope found in Jesus, because that's also a part of my heritage. Amen. Yeah. That the trauma is a part of it, but yep. so is the deep faith. The yep. faith that didn't have a church building, but had a cotton field. That's right. The faith that, that didn't have organized groups or, or small groups or, or house group communities, but had singing and worship mm-hmm. out in the open field. Yeah like so all of this history and all of my my legacy informs trauma for me because it invites me not just to to name it but to go yeah. deep with it yeah and then to allow Jesus to lift me out of it in the hope of his resurrection so Amen. it's both yeah um so i you know when i wrote this book about human kindness and empathy um it's really Paul's words to the church at Ephesus that have formed me in this season since the book's release. Um, when he says to the church at Ephesus, do not become calloused in heart. Right. Um, because it's a calloused heart that can that can really lead to a lot of the ignorance we're seeing and people not stepping into the fullness of life in Christ. Yeah. But then if you go a little bit deeper into that narrative in verse 32, he then charges the church. To be kind to one another, tender-hearted. So there's yeah. something about the porousness and the state of our hearts that's important. <sighs> yes. And then he goes on to say, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. So kindness isn't just about niceties yeah. and on the outside being tolerant of one another with our right. kind acts and deeds and holding right. the door, letting someone in traffic. Like, that's not biblical kindness. I mean, it mm. might be included within it, but sure, the basis of it for us as believers originates with God's loving kindness toward us. That's right. And that was while we were yet sinners, while our sin was traumatizing to the heart of God, Christ came down and extended himself in loving kindness for us. Yeah. I'm like, that's it. That's if we don't understand the kindness that we've been on the receiving end of, we will never be able to extend it to the world around us.
2: Right, right. That's exactly right. So. And the value, I think, of that both things are so true like what yes. you're saying Ashley, that you can't you can't get to the kindness and the loving kindness and the forgiveness and the empathy without acknowledging that the real depth and the real trauma and the real suffering and so I just think you model that beautifully and um express that so beautifully I feel like I I want to go to your church and sit under your teaching. You
3: know? Oh, sister, likewise. Yeah. I mean, listen, to read you talk about lament in your own journey, Aubrey, I mean, And then we're not talking about your book, but the louder song really, it really is a
2: representation of that. Right. Um, Right. That you have to both, the invitation from God is for both, both. right? That we do declare that hope is coming, that God is writing a better story, but we cannot deny the reality of pain and suffering, especially for black people in America. Right. Like you said, that it's in your bloodline and in your bones And, and to pretend like that isn't true is wrong. I mean, yeah. that's not God's invitation either. So I love that you're, I love that you're using your voice and expressing that. Um, I want to transition a little bit and talk about you as a girl growing up. Because okay. Because <laughs> I, I love some of the stories you tell in your book. You do, you know, again, kind of this theme of race. One of the things that you talk about is like being sort of the whitewashed girl in black communities or being like the token black girl in white communities. So talk about that.
3: It was really confusing at first. So in the way of formation, I didn't really see it as formation as I was growing up. Mm, It was just confusing because it felt like I needed to almost switch hats no matter where I was, which environment I was operating within. Um, So like you said, for example, at my all girls Catholic school, I was one of a very few number of black girls there. And for example, at the dances, I remember one dance, um, we were, we had this dance, we shared a dance with the all boys school, St. Thomas down the street. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It was a really big deal, (laughs) super big deal. And like, we would get to, we would get to this dance. And, you know, some of the songs that maybe you remember, maybe you don't, by Sierra and Calisse, and, like, back then was Justin yes. Timberlake. Like, right. Like, they would come on and then all eyes would be on the black girls, right? <gasps> or, like, on, like, teach us how to do this. Teach us how to do this line dance. Teach us the how to do right the cha-cha shoes. slide. Yeah. yeah. And so I felt this immense amount of pressure because mm. I'm like, oh, The assumption is that because I'm Black in these predominantly white spaces, that I know all the Black things. (laughs) Wow, right, That I know all the lyrics to the rap songs, that I know, that I just know all the Black, that I know all the Black actors and athletes. You're like the authority
2: on all things Black culture. I
3: was the authority on Black culture, which, as we know now, there's a danger in the single Mm. story, but I was seeing mm. it played out all around me. And I was, all of my, like, uh, all of a sudden, I was the subject matter expert on blackness for most people.
2: <laughs> Unbelievable. And so,
3: but then you turn that around, and being um, the whitewashed black girl in predominantly mm. black spaces, I remember I was a part of a, an AAU, or Amateur Athletic Union, track club, which meant yeah. I just ran a lot almost year-round um, and really loved the sport. got really, really deeply involved. But a majority of my teammates were from a completely different side of town and went to completely different schools, lived a different financial reality for me. And so I remember one time uh, we were waiting to run the four by 400 meter relay sitting under this tent. It's hot. It's sticky. I mean, you can imagine the spandex is just sticking to my thighs, girl. (laughs) I just really... (laughs) was <laughs> not a yet. good
2: moment, right? Yes.
3: And this, rate is, this race is at the end of the day. I'm tired. Look. And so I'm sitting there, and one of my teammates looks to me, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but I distinctly remember her saying and asking, Ashley, why do you talk so white? <gasps> yes. And, you know, I'm, wow, I'm what, nine Ashley. or 10 years old? And so I yeah. don't have... I don't have any clapbacks for her. I'm not wanting to respond no. in a way that's that's um, mean or contentious. I mean, sure. she's my teammate, and and we've had awesome memories on the track together. Yeah. But then that made me super self-conscious.
2: Self-conscious. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. So then you're so aware of everything you're saying and yes. the way you're talking. And oh. Yes.
3: And mm. and in some ways, and this is almost, um, this was maybe a secret that I carried around with me. I didn't want to talk the way I talked. Because I knew it made me different from the the folks and the people that I was growing up with that lived a different um, experience for me that I almost wished I'd shared. And wow. so I it was really hard growing up, um, not really understanding my place mm-hmm. in my Blackness and feeling mm-hmm. like there were these invisible boxes on either side of a line. And I had mm-hmm. to fit in both, um, wow. but without the tools or without the resources to do either of them very well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was very conflicting until probably I got to college. And um, then I had the experience moving on the West Coast to experience people who were Black like me, but who lived this vast variety of experiences as being Black in America. Wow. Um, And that opened up something for me. And that's really where I saw my confidence in who I was and my identity really start to take off and blossom and be healed in a lot of ways.
2: I was about to ask you that, did that feel like a healing journey that the Lord kind of led you through? Yeah.
3: Yeah. It definitely was looking back because like I said, living, so my freshman year, I lived on a culturally black floor at USC. Okay. Okay. And at first I was like, is this, is this okay? Like, is it okay to say that I want to live on the all black floor as a freshman? Like, is this, like, are we being exclusive here? What's the point? Like,
2: but, is this like allowed to do? Yeah, no. is this
3: allowed? Um, and we weren't the only cultural floor at USC. So I think that okay. made it better that there were other themed floors, as they called them. Okay. Um, but really living on this floor called Somerville, it was 32 girls and eight guys um, who I'm still really great friends with. Some of them to this day. And they were from the East Coast, the West Coast. Mm. They were Jamaican. They were Haitian. Yeah. They were yeah. biracial. They were millionaires, and they were there on scholarship. And wow. it was this really amazing tapestry of Blackness before me. Um, mm. some, sometimes we did share the same interests in music, but sometimes we didn't. Yeah. Sometimes we loved the same chicken and waffles from Roscoe's, and sometimes... <laughs> We didn't. We Yeah. Um, Some of us were architects. Others of us were artists and creatives. And we just found a coexistence, not necessarily that we shared the same hues of skin,
2: Mm. but that
3: we all understood without having to explain it, the experience of being Black in America. Wow. Like there was a knowing. You didn't have to tell someone about the microaggression and calculus from your professor because they'd experienced it yesterday.
0: Right? Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Um, and so that's where the healing began of like, no, you can own your unique expression of who you are, Ashley, as mm-hmm. being made in the image and likeness of God. You don't mm-hmm. have to try and fit someone else's mold because that's mm-hmm. not the mold I gave you.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But there is some comfort and some healing in the fact that you can exhale and you don't have to explain all of the pain oh. and the trauma.
0: Right.
2: Right. That some of that is just like subtextually understood and you don't have to keep revisiting it or try to be like, oh, let me explain this one thing to you, why it hurt me. Yes. It's just known. It's just known. And so that was
3: a huge gift my freshman year. And living Mm. with some of those people into the subsequent years really made my understanding and appreciation for the richness of Black culture and the Black experience expansive. So that was really the beginning of a, a cool healing journey for me.
2: You know what I love about that too is when you do think about the image of God and um, it, the Imago Dei, especially in the States, we tend to go, you individually are the image of God. You as an individual are the Imago Dei. And that is a true statement, but I, I think the the greater picture or the biblical picture is that the humanity, diverse humanity is the Imago Dei, like collectively. And so there you are on this floor with like a collective representation of God's image still within black America and Black culture, but that everyone's so diverse and that together, collectively, you fully display God. I just think that's awesome. Yeah. I love that I love that God gave you that gift as a freshman. Yeah. And that you still have this relationships today. That's cool.
3: Yeah. I love that, Aubrey. And what I wish is that it didn't have to take a college dormitory. Right for us to experience that collective image that we could find and create spaces like that with others around us in our adulthood too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I I think all, all of us sort of long for that, like those college days when you lived with people and got to know them. And yeah, I, I agree with you about that.
0: Nothing is a Wasted Family. It's Christy Blackburn. I'm interrupting this interview to tell you about how I've continued in my own recovery from pain and trauma without having to leave my house. Like, legit, guys, I wake up, turn on my computer, grab my glasses, and do counseling my PJs. It's amazing. So over the past two months, I have been using Faithful Counseling once a week with this amazing counselor as a way to work through some unforeseen postpartum anxiety and unaddressed trauma that has surfaced over the last several months. They are an incredible online worldwide organization who is sponsoring this podcast, and I have found them to be such a helpful resource in my life. They provide virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide therapy and counseling. Faithful Counseling is designed as a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you are seeking a mental health professional who is a practicing believer like I was, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you're matched with a counselor, in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. If you're a match with a counselor that isn't a good fit for you, you can change counselors, which I think is such an important part of anyone's counseling journey. I always recommend that to everybody that if you aren't matched with one counselor, you still can find other people that can connect with you and help you move forward. So... They also have weekly group in our sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor about various topics that we all face. Just to clarify, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource during your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. So you can apply for that aid during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of our family, our Nothing Is Wasted family. And again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to the interview.
2: Hey, so I don't know this about Ashley, about you, Ashley. How did you end up transitioning into ministry? Because were you going, you weren't an undergrad at USC, I'm assuming, for like Bible theology.
3: No, I was not. I mean, so here's a fun fact: I went and got my degree in international relations, and what? thought I was going to, yes, girl, and thought I was going to work for the CIA. That Stop was it. that <gasps> was the original plan. Like yeah.
2: alias, yes. Yeah. St- are you secretly working for the CIA? I am not, that I know of. <laughs> uh, okay,
3: okay. Not that I know of. Was um, that really your plan? That was my plan. I was going to be an analyst, but they um at the time it was 2008 2009 i took the wrong for- wrong foreign language they wanted farsi because that was that was a, a highly desired language for okay. um intelligence agencies and so um i just I said, no, I'm not going back to learn Farsi. Um, yeah,
2: and I also it's not worth was, it anymore. <laughs> no,
3: not worth it. And also, I'm way too relational to keep your secrets. So let's...
2: <laughs> you can't trust me.
3: <laughs> you, let me just tell you right now, this is not going to work out. Um, but so wow. instead, I went with my minor and I got a job in human resources with Nestle okay. USA. And so I started off in the headquarters in Glendale and it was so fun. I loved my job. I loved my coworkers. I loved everything about working at Nestle. Um, But six months in, they transferred me and they gave me an option. They said, you can either go to Kentucky, Iowa, or Chicagoland. And I was like, you don't even have to just, I won't even fill out the form. You just send me to Chicagoland. Please. Yeah,
2: done. Done Um, and done. Nothing
3: against my brothers and sisters from Kentucky and Iowa. We love love you, Kentucky and Iowa. We love you, Kentucky and Iowa.
2: But we're both Chicago girls,
3: so we know know the right city. I needed a big city. Yeah. And so I was transferred to Chicagoland and didn't know a soul. And my mom, I remember her distinctly asking, Ashley, how are you going to make friends? Are you going to go to the grocery store? How about the library? And I was like, no, I should maybe find a church. So <laughs> that that's right. the point at which I got connected to Willow Creek in Chicagoland. And I was a small church no one's ever heard really of. Just a really tiny church, yeah. super yep. small.
2: Yeah, off um, the map.
3: That's right. And I was still working at a plant, the Willy Wonka factory, actually, in Itasca, Illinois. It's a, it was a real Stop. place. Yep.
2: This is amazing. Yep.
3: And I I was attending Willow and started volunteering in their high school ministry. And it was at a high school camp one summer. I remember I was volunteering with the competition aspect of camp. So I was refereeing all these games. And I stepped inside while I remember who it was, Josh Reebok.
2: Um, Yes, who I know. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was Josh
3: who was teaching out of John 2. It was Jesus's first miracle, the wedding Mm -hmm. at Cana. And I will never forget, Aubrey, I'm standing back there, and he's talking about the servants who are carrying these vessels filled with what they think is water. Mm. And they think it's water, but they're carrying it to the master of the banquet after Mary has said to them, do whatever he tells you to do. And in that moment, it was like, hey, God, I'm available. I'm open. And I can't tell you, but with crystal clarity— um, it was if the Holy Spirit just spoke audible words almost and said, "Ashley, I want you to serve my church just like this."
2: Wow. Where where I give you? I literally have goosebumps right now. I can,
3: if you've known my and my husband's journey through ministry, it's literally felt like we were carrying one thing, mm. and the Lord turns it into something else beyond our wildest dreams. Wow. Um, even wow. when it was hard, yeah. and so um. Yeah, I quit my corporate job. No way. I forfeit going back to LA and building a really lucrative, fun career there. I, Ashley. I broke up with my boyfriend who was back in LA. Ashley. I called my dad in the parking lot of Panera and I said, Dad. Um, by the way, both my parents were really successful in the oil industry and sales industries in Texas. And so I thought that was going to be my track, right? Right. And so I said, dad, you won't believe this. And I understand if you're disappointed, but I'm going to quit my my job and I'm going to work full-time in ministry. And my dad, after the longest pause of my life, said, well, Ashley, if the Lord is asking you to do something, Mm. don't let me be the one to stop you. Oh, what a good dad! Yeah, wow. And I just started sobbing.
2: I was going to say, did you start? Battling? I was. I, I was have, just, yes.
3: just a huge weight was lifted from my chest. Mm. Um, and it's not like I needed his permission, but it felt like affirmation. It felt like
2: absolutely this is
3: this wasn't just going to be my journey in ministry. Yes. It was going to be ours. Yeah. it was going to be my family's. Yeah. Um. And so I did. I quit my job and I started working for the college young adults ministry at Willow. That is so brave. And that I was love that. 10 years ago.
2: Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to me that Jesus used the story of water into wine and then literally kind of went, okay, girl, with your life, it's about to be water into wine. Like we're changing some things and watch me do this miracle. And then you obeyed and look at the transformation and the fruit that has come. I think that is.
3: At every Incredible. turn, Aubrey. Every turn, mm. I think I know, and I have no idea.
2: Every every single <laughs> so, one,
3: every single don't one. do
2: sometimes wish God would like give you a little bit of a roadmap ahead, but He just doesn't. He I doesn't. do. Um, yeah. Twenty
3: twenty was supposed to be our normal year. 2020 twenty twenty was supposed to be, supposed to be the year where there wasn't a marriage. A baby, yeah. an adoption, <laughs> a move, a job change.
2: You were like settled and just going to be in a regular routine. We planned it.
3: Dolan and yeah. I said 2020, no surprises.
2: <laughs> I feel like we all went into 2020 thinking it was going to be something different. And here we are, um, folks. And here we are. Okay, so you are... Uh, one thing that I love about you and connect with you on is that you're a female preacher, female pastor in this world where um, more and more women are, but not always. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, just going back to the empathy and kindness theme and um, healing from trauma, whether racial trauma or, or emotional trauma of some other kind, do you think as a female in this sphere, sphere you have like a unique sort of prophetic voice or ability to kind of speak healing or to or do some of this reconciliation work in a way? I don't, I want to say it in a way that a man can't, but is there something unique about uh, empathy and kindness being a female minister? I
3: think so. And so, so here's what I'd say about that. I don't know that a lot of folks would expect a black woman right now to speak to unity in a time like mm. this. Yeah. Because we've earned the scars to not have to. You have. That's right. Just as a people, as Black people, I fully understand my brothers and sisters who don't have it right now to say, let's unify. Right. I get
2: that. Right. Right. I do. Yep.
3: And I feel that some days. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the the message that isn't really mine, I feel like it's God's message through our ministry, that one's in my ministry, is that I am preaching both the pain, going back to what we talked about before, mm-hmm. both the pain and the hope. Yeah. Both saying, nope, to actually love me as your Black sister, mm-hmm. you need to sit in this with me. I'm yeah. inviting you to sit in what's so hard and tense And all the tomfoolery happening around that may not impact you, but is what makes Mm. me stay up until two o'clock in the morning. Mm. Like I'm inviting you into that and I can make space. Let's make space for that kind of love and that kind of empathy and that kind of uh, unity in the spirit. Right. But I'm also calling people higher. Yeah. I'm calling people to say, um, let's not base our unity, and our humanity, and our oneness in Christ, around any single issue. Mm. Pick one. You can pick one. Um, right. I'm trying to draw people to the prayer that Jesus prayed over us in John 17. Yeah. When he said, "I prayed that they would be one Father, one as you and I are uh, one." Yeah. That means there is space. For a variety of differences of opinion, yeah, there is.
2: Oh, which sometimes you don't want there to be. You don't right? want there to be. Oh, yeah.
3: Now but there is, but there, but there is, and so, <sighs> and so. Um, for example, some people think COVID is a hoax, and are 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 um, voicing uh, conspiracies that they feel are true.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Other I was people, with one of those people yesterday. Yes,
3: yeah, and we we have them in our church, and we also have people who won't leave their home because they're immunocompromised. Right. right. Um, personally, Dylan and I know four people who have passed from this virus. Mm. And so, to oh, I'm so to, sorry. Thank you. And so, for me, I'm like, no, I have a different lens. But right. guess what? That's not the height and the apex of my belief in who Jesus is and what he's meant Mm. for his kingdom here on earth. It doesn't die or end or dead end with COVID. Good for you. What we can do is unify around the fact that Jesus is King. His kingdom will never end. And if there are core tenets about what we believe about his power, his spirit, his ability to supernaturally equip us with the the fruit of the spirit, including kindness beyond our own power and limitations. Yeah. Then we can still be brothers and sisters unified as the body of Christ. Yeah. And so I feel like my voice in this, in this moment, Aubrey is to call people not to a navel gazing, Mm. really focused energy around even, around even matters of justice because justice God's justice is a perfect justice, yeah, and it brings me much comfort to understand that at the end of the day, every knee shall bow,
2: right right that's right.
3: every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord, and he will write all the things that are so, so mm-hmm. wrong. He will yeah. yep, and so um what I'm more interested in is at the end of the day when there are all these beautiful hues and faces and representations of different. Nations and countries and languages, and and that for the rest of forever we are going to be worshiping one God. Yes, yes. Did we do the hard work of unity? Mm. And that's the prophetic voice, and that's the prophetic message. I feel like I've been led into proclaiming, and yeah. even though it seems like a, a very kumbaya type message, a lot of people don't like it because they don't like it. No. Right. It, they don't like it because it's either not edgy enough. Yeah, it's not holding people's um, actions accountable enough, right. And it's too soft, right? or it's too much. It's too much grace. Mm. it's it's too much of of whatever they feel um, is letting people off the hook. And so mm. it's not an easy message right now as a woman in the church.
2: And as a black woman, and in as the a black
3: woman in the church, yeah, to try to unify yeah. and proclaim healing Ugh. for all the things
2: it's not an easy message, and i i I just want to affirm you to keep going, Ashley, because mm. we need to hear it mm-hmm. i mean as just as a church leader myself, I just feel like the church is disunified, maybe not in a new way, but in a way that certainly this year is bringing things up, yeah. and so the the message um for real Gospel unity that actually isn't easy, that actually is like hard no. spirit filled work has to be fueled by the Holy Spirit, has to be fueled by humility, yes. has to be fueled by a vision that's greater than the one we can see right now um it matters, and I'm just grateful that you're using your voice to speak those things prophetically. I think you're really anointed for it, and i'm I'm grateful. That you're here today, kind of sharing these things with our listeners too. So thanks so much, Ashley. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your time.
3: Thank you so much, Aubrey. Bless you Thank and your you. ministry and all your Thank listeners. You.
2: We're, gonna, we're gonna be excited to share this episode. And, and I'm excited to keep following you and all that you're doing. God is doing through you. Can you um before we go, can you tell me how our listeners can find you and follow you and see all the amazing things that you and your hubby are doing? Absolutely. So I am most active on Instagram, at Ashley underscore Island,
3: a little less active on Twitter at the same handle. Um, And then
2: most of my podcasts or articles can be found at AshleyIsland.com. And again, the name of Ashley's book is Humankind. I have it right here. I have been devouring this book, underlining everything, Ashley. Humankind, how reclaiming human worth and embracing radical kindness will bring us back together. It is so beautifully written um, and again, positioned really well for such a time as this. So thanks again, Ashley. Thanks for being here. We're going to go for our real coffee soon. One day. Yes, Yeah. one day. I can't wait. I can
3: see it. I believe it too. It's in our future.
1: Aubrey, that was an incredible conversation. I so thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys talk about this.
2: Wasn't it great? I enjoyed talking with her so much.
1: I feel like you, you I mean, I know, I don't even feel like, I know you guys could sit and talk about this as well as many other topics for hours. And I hours mean, we and hours.
2: texted for a long time after that. <laughs> no, that was so good.
1: And I just think, you know, back to our conversation that we had right before the interview, I just, I just wonder what it would look like if the church in this season would step up and lead the way and say, you know what, we're going to be unified, and we're going, yeah. to, we're going to take care of each other, and how that would demonstrate to the world what it right. looks like to truly have empathy with each other, to love each other, to, yeah. to prop each other up, and humbly, I think that that would be what 2 Corinthians talks about with us being agents of reconciliation. Mm, that would accomplish yeah. it. Um, so anyways, yeah. I love that conversation. Thanks so much for doing that. We also want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Go and listen to his music anywhere where you can stream and download music. And we would love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If this has ministered to you, has touched you in some way, tell us about it. We would love mm-hmm. to. It's It warms our heart to read these reviews. And so uh, we'd love for you to do that. For us.
2: If you have a story that you want to share with us, how God has met you in your pain or in your heartache, we would love to hear what God is doing in your life. You could submit your stories to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. We'll read them. Sometimes we share them and um, it. It's just a way for us to keep going on this yeah. mission of, again, seeing that nothing is wasted. Yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram at NothingIsWastedMinistries. You can follow Davey at Davey Blackburn. That's D-A-V-E-Y. <laughs> and you can uh, follow me at OBSAMP, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. <sighs>
1: Uh, Thank you for putting that e in there because we went to a marriage seminar last weekend. Christy and I did, and they gave me a name tag, and it was D A V Y. Oh, come on, come on! That's so sad. Who spells
2: Davy
1: without an e, right? (laughs) Uh, Aubrey, next week we have a conversation with Joel Manby, and Mm, that's a good one. It's a fantastic one. I read a book by Joel Manby uh, a while ago. I mean, before nothing is wasted ever existed. I mean, as I was just kind of stepping into pastoral ministry, it's really a leadership book. And it's called Love Works, but Mm. he's since kind of re-upped and had a new edition of this book because of some major crises that he went through in his life. So this is a phenomenal, especially for if you have a friend who's a business leader who um, is really interested in that, you know, that kind of like leadership principles and stuff, you know, running organizations and management and all of that sort of deal. But I've also, you know, is interested in learning about how to manage through crisis. I mean, this is such an appropriate conversation for them. So make sure you refer this over to them. And we'll sign off this week by listening to a little clip from that interview with Joel Manby. Two times in my life, I became suicidal. And that was one of them. And it was definitely situational. I mean, it's not something I struggle with at any other periods of my life, but it was very specific and it was very detailed in my mind over and over again. Just the pain was so great. What can I do to to not have this pain anymore? And in my mind, when you're depressed and stressed and probably sharing too much of my favorite beverages, you you get into a state where that actually starts to look good and it's a very unhealthy state.